I'm Robin Cloud, and you're listening to Dear Queer on Brick Radio. Every week on Dear Queer, I sit down with a talented and brilliant member and or ally of the queer community to tackle questions on topics ranging from sex, relationships, money, work, and, well, the struggle in general. Send your questions to dearqueerradio at gmail.com. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Dear Queer. I'm your host, Robin Cloud, and today is Halloween. And I don't have a costume on. I guess I'm wearing my jaded New Yorker costume, which is every day. And today in the studio, we have a very good friend of mine, Melissa Fibos. Clap it up! Yeah, nobody, there's no clapping. There's no, so, <laughs> welcome to Dear Queer. Thanks for having me, Robin. You're welcome. So, what were you up to today? You know, I was just um, running errands in my urban lesbian costume. Oh my God. So, for the people who don't know you, who are you? I like to give my guests agency to describe themselves. Sure. Well, I am a writer of memoir and essays. And I'm also a college professor. I teach creative writing. I've published two books. I'm a dog enthusiast. (laughs) So two books. So tell me about your first book. My first book was a memoir about when I was in college, I was a heroin addict and a professional dominatrix. And so it sort of chronicles those experiences, which sort of became entangled. And then my... um, departure and recovery from one led to the other. And so full of everything your mother never wanted to read about you or wanted her friends to read about yes, you. Yes, yes. I've read that book. And yes, God, your mother. Mm. Stuff you you wouldn't want your mama to read. Mm-hmm. But a good book. I mean, you were Thank on the cover you. of the New York Post, right? Yeah, that was a dubious claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I walked into a faculty meeting once um, years ago at Sarah Lawrence and my old thesis advisor was there and I walked in and I was like, hi, I'm Melissa, I'm new faculty this semester. And my thesis advisor was like, she was just on the cover of the New York Post. And I was like, shut up, it's academia. You can't get away from that. You can't I mean, bring that once, once you're on the here, post. I know, it's true. Those are like serious New York City bragging rights. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take it back. Right. So now you're on to book number two. Mm -hmm. So the second book is called Abandon Me, and it's a collection of linked personal essays that, you know, when I'm being sort of a smartass about it, I say it's how my daddy issues became my girl trouble. Mm. Um, And it basically I got into a super intense kind of addictive crazy codependent relationship in my early 30s. I feel like everybody has at least one of these in their lifetime. Um, Sadly. But it was just like, you know, after decades of therapy, it was just disheartening to like be stuck in such an obviously dysfunctional relationship. But it made me wonder about my past and sort of what unresolved issues I might have. So um, as a result of sort of that question, I went back and found my birth father. I'm half adopted. So I went and met my birth father for the first time. I sort of reexamined a lot of the memories and conditions of my childhood. You know, th- there's a lot of different topics in it, but the main sort of arc of it is looking at the past to make sense of the present. Right. And you have a lot about, you know, exes in your books. How does that feel? I mean, how do they... <laughs> to me or them? <laughs> I don't know. I guess to both. Because it's hard. I mean, it's kind of cathartic, right, for you to write for that. Sure. And then they read it and see reviews. And they're yeah. like, oh, shit, I'm like all chapter 6 through yeah. 20. You know, I think like in general, I tend to have pretty um, amicable 
breakups with people, um, especially as an adult, this book was not the case. Mm. Um, so I only know secondhand what this ex <laughs> thought of it, and it wasn't. Via um, Twitter? <laughs> I would rather not have that conversation with her. You know, one of the most common questions that I get asked about writing memoir is, how do you deal with writing about other people or like is it yeah, okay or like how do you make those you. decisions right. right and it's it makes a lot of sense you know it's the stakes are pretty high and what I tell people is think about it very very carefully and measure the importance the importance to you of telling that story and the possible use of it in the world against your interest in preserving that relationship Mm. because you might have to let go right right <laughs> you know and and most of the time I haven't but like with this book uh, I was like, you know, we weren't on speaking terms or anything after we broke up anyway, but I was like, I'm going to seal the deal on this for the rest of our lives Damn. if I write this book. And I, I made that decision knowingly. And, you know, that doesn't mean I wasn't as generous as I could be and that I didn't sort of save some hits, you know, which mm -hmm. I did. But nobody wants to read about themselves at their worst. You know what I mean? Like, right. I know that, and I have sympathy for that. I don't expect people to thank me for rendering them in some of their worst moments. Even or for not being in the book. Yeah, I mean. no, I mean, the truth is also that, like, people are mad if they're in your work, and they're mad if they're not in your work. And when they're in your work, you never know what they're going to be upset about. Like, mm. it's always a surprise. Like, I have depicted people in my work what I thought these incredibly favorable portraits. You don't, you never know what someone's self conception is mm -hmm. and so if you violate that self-conception with your perception no matter how positive it's going to feel like some kind of erasure or annihilation to them and in many ways I think that's inevitable right and do you name names I can't remember I don't, no I don't, I, think don't. You did. I, I read this too yeah I give I people names but not their actual not their name. I mean names. honestly like 99% of memoirs are not going to do that just for yeah legal reasons the the person who names all the names either got releases from everyone or has you know like sizable balls because like people <laughs> like to sue yeah so you said you're a professor mm -hmm. what do you teach I teach uh mostly creative nonfiction, but all kinds of creative writing and some literature um at a school on the Jersey Shore and I teach at a lot of conferences and other grad programs right, occasionally right. um but mostly I'm there with America's children <laughs> and is it true that if and when you get tenure, that you are getting a neck tattoo because <laughs> it's, it's basically all I'm waiting for. It's something that I've talked about a lot. Um, it's sort of a joke, but it's also not a joke. I mean, for your listeners, like I'm, my, yes. I'm covered in tattoos, so it's not like it's shocking. It's not like an outlandish joke. Um, and I actually think neck tattoos are really hot. Um, I don't know if I would think a neck tattoo was hot on me. So I'm as an alternative, I'm also <laughs> brainstorming knuckle tattoos. Oh, knuckles. Okay. Can't be fired, for instance. Oh, my God. Um, Stop it. Like, show, don't tell, which is, like, the most often repeated classic, creative yes, writing yes, yes. writer's maximum. Writing 101. Um, and I love knuckle tattoos, too. So it's, like, one or the okay. other. But I'll know in the spring. And so you are currently in love. What's happening in the I'm love life? Let's in love. get into it. I am in love. Um, oh, shit. So I had this crazy harrowing relationship that I wrote about and abandoned me. And then I sort of like ejected myself from that situation. And, you know, it was sort of like I feel like I've seen all of these sort of like apocalyptic wasteland movies lately. And it's just like, you know, Why? the person is like shot out of the like, like cryo frozen 
you know, tube into mm-hmm. the wasteland with mm-hmm. like no hair and like trembling and no ability to speak left. And that's how I felt after this breakup. Um, oh my gosh. So shortly thereafter, I embarked on a six month period of celibacy, which mm-hmm. was. How was totally that? life-changing. It was amazing. You know, I interviewed this psychologist right at the outset of that process. I told her my situation, and then I was, like, sort of curious of what she thought about it. And she was like, you know what I think, Melissa? I think you're going to get very, very depressed, possibly suicidal. But you need to lash yourself to the mast, like in the Odyssey with the sirens. Yeah, I yes, think that's what she yes. said. Like, you have to lash yourself to the mass of your celibacy like Odysseus. And I was like, holy shit, Wait, this, this person, before or after? this was at the beginning of the process. Oh, and I was like, oh. suicidal. Like, I have a pretty cheerful disposition in general. <laughs> um, she turned out to be totally wrong. And I had a an amazing time. Right now, my girlfriend and I, it's long distance, mm-hmm. which is really good for me, I think, because I probably would have freaked out if we were living in the same place and doing the, like, lesbian enmeshment thing, right, which right. is irresistible in many ways. Why do we do that? I can't. It's just like more intimacy. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. So it's been really good to like have that space and be able to like set different kinds of boundaries and have chosen someone who can respect that. Amen. Mm-hmm. You made it through. Does mm-hmm. it feel oh like that? Oh my god. Oh my god. It totally it's does. It's like like you swam out it of totally the It totally does. And like who knows? Like I know that life is this series of sort of like peaks and troughs and there will be other like skin peelingly difficult things that happen. But I really feel like that kind of like codependent nightmare. I don't think I'm gonna have to do that again. I think yeah. that was it. You learned? Did yeah. you learn? I think for I the record, really got it. On Halloween. 2017. She's admitting to the fact that she got it, y'all. I learned my lesson. Okay. So let's take a listen to a selection from Abandon Me. I was going to read this, like, intense thing, but uh, you know what? I'm not. Um, I'm going to read a little bit about hickeys. (sighs) There's some sex, everybody. Get ready. Get ready. I had never been a lover who watched, but I watched her, hands tucked under my back as she bit my ribs, my belly, my breast. As her fingers slid inside me, her mouth latched onto my chest, the blank space just below my clavicle. I stopped watching then, stopped thinking of anything but the drive of her long fingers. After, in the bathroom mirror, flushed and swollen, I leaned in and examined the purple splotch, shaped like Rorschach's card six, the most condensed inkblot of his ten. It is known as the sex card. It's embarrassing, I said, after I'd climbed back onto the bed, but I love hickeys. She laughed and slid her hand on my chest, pressed the mark like a button with her fingertip. It'll fade by Monday. My pleasure notwithstanding, to arrive on the college campus where I taught emblazoned with love bites was unthinkable. Even as defiant teenagers, we massaged them with frozen spoons, scrubbed them with dry toothbrushes, held ice packs to our necks as if to cool our racing pulses. I'm writing an essay about hickeys, I told a friend. Ew, she said, and crumpled her face. Curious, I thought. We don't blink at sex as commerce, women's bodies propped across billboards and televisions, the familiar iconography of male lust. We coo at pregnant bellies, sanctify that most blatant acknowledgement of sex, but shame this ephemeral evidence. A hickey is personal. It offers nothing to its witness but recognition. Is our Puritan history so strong in us that to acknowledge touch for pleasure's sake is vulgar? Maybe the hickey reveals other things, parts of our desire we'd rather not see in the light. At ten, I discovered my neck. It felt like a secret my body had finally told me. A first drink, a light switch, a doorway where a wall had always been. Tracy Barron's mouth tore a hole in the hole between my shoulder and jaw and water rushed in. That pleasure was a revelation. If this, then what? 
After baseball practice on a stray couch cushion in my basement, under an old beach towel, Tracy and I played date. She was always the boy. Her mouth on my neck, the sound of my mother starting dinner upstairs. Don't stop, I said for the first time. I'll stop there. Hickeys. <laughs> I was trying to remember the last time I got a hickey. I don't know. It's been a while. Really? I still do. Not where people can see usually, but I'm just like a sucker. Like I suck on <laughs> I suck on my pens or like the Isn't like that called an oral I just fixation. Like, I mean, call it whatever you want, Robin. <laughs> like There's I like I am always clinical. like when I'm writing, I always have to have like a beverage of some kind. Like I just like to have something in my mouth at all times, you know. I don't know what to say to that. Let's move on. Let's move on from that. <laughs> All right, so should we get to some questions? Because God knows these Let's people need help. Let's get to some questions. I'm, I've got answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Confidence. Do you guys mm-hmm. hear that? <laughs> Dear queer, I've been with my partner, a woman, for three years, married for one. Things have been going well for the most part. There is one issue that I can't seem to move past. I'm not friends with my exes, but my wife insists on staying friends with hers. She even invited a few of them to our wedding. They are fine people but there is one that I just can't stand. They are constantly living in the past and bringing up stories of when they were together. My wife finds this all very entertaining, but it drives me fucking crazy. Am I being (laughs) impatient, selfish? Should I let it go or let her know how I really feel? Thanks. Defriend, please. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, I think that probably a lot of relationship advice can be boiled down to like a few very simple things um and in this case it's yes you should tell her how you really feel um you know like no matter how great your girlfriend is she's not a mind reader Mm -hmm. um and if she doesn't know that it's hurting you then I feel like it's just creating this fertile ground for sort of resentment that people, that your girlfriend isn't detecting how you feel and taking care of you without asking for it. Like, believe me, nobody hates asking for things to get their needs met more than I do. I fucking really? hate it. I hate it. It's just like... Do you have a fear behind it? Because totally, I think I, I hate it too. Totally. What's your fear? I think it's just intrinsically vulnerable. Okay. Like when I was really young, I came up with this ideal for myself that was just... What's the word I'm looking for? Like I just couldn't be hurt. I didn't want to be... I just wanted to be like Teflon person. Right. You right. know, like no one could hurt me. I could hurt other people. Not that I wanted to, but just that I was going to be impervious Mm -hmm. you know it was even less of a facade with other people than it was sort of this script within myself Mm -hmm. um that precluded asking for things you know like or having a need like the idea of being needy just like it still makes my skin crawl Mm. to be someone who's like my feelings are (laughs) i know i I need you to fix it you know like that's just like oh i just want to like punch myself in the face thinking about it but unfortunately, that's necessary for a healthy right. relationship. Like right. in a case like this, like you have to tell your partner that it's hurting you, you know? And like what I think should probably go down in that situation is like our caller needs to talk to her girlfriend, not in an accusatory or defensive way, mm-hmm. but say, hey, it really sort of hurts my feelings. It makes me feel a little insecure when your ex is always bringing up stuff and you guys are reminiscing about the past. Like that would make me really uncomfortable oh, too. Crazy. I would hate it, right? Yeah, for sure. So, and I feel like if the girlfriend, is a real friend with this ex, then 
she should be able to go to that person and say, hey, I really enjoy like reminiscing about the past, but when we're hanging out with my current person, like it feels a little bit insensitive and maybe we should just keep that for when we're hanging out alone and be a little more inclusive when we're together. You right. know, like, And if the girlfriend can't have that conversation or isn't willing to, like there might be another set of problems, but the starting point here is really just being honest about what you need. Yeah, I agree. And I had a therapist once tell me that you should never be friends with your exes. And I, I don't know if that's true, but I kind of stuck to that. Yeah. And I think there's a difference in my mind of being friendly and right. being like, if we see each other, it's cool. No one's going to yeah. cross the street, you yeah. know, but like there's no one I need to like be friends, friends with. Yeah. Like confidants. I Certainly had, not invited to my wedding. I had a therapist say that to me, too. And I think like. For a lot was of years, when I was younger, <laughs> no, it was true. Like, I wasn't capable of having the kind of boundaries right. that you would need to to have an appropriate friendship with your ex. Like, I was always, like, keeping something smoldering just mm-hmm. in case. Just you know case. what I mean? Yeah. Like, that the was backup. me for so long. And then I remember there was this time, like, probably in my late 20s where I just cleaned house. Mm-hmm. I went through my friends and I was like, if I subtract the sexual tension or, like, whatever ego sort of Mm -hmm. thing I'm getting from them still being interested in me or whatever, um, is there an actual friendship there? And if there was, then I made a point of sort of extracting that element or having a conversation about it or really trying to just make it that actual friendship. And if there wasn't an actual friendship, then I was done. Wow, you did it. that in your 20s? That's I did that in my like late 20s at the best. Progressive, of, like 29. <laughs> yeah, like 29. Yeah, pretty close to and 30. I really cleaned house and, and, and it felt really good, you know? And right. also it was like pretty easy to let go of those because there's, you know, like it wasn't, you know, I was just sort of using them in many mm-hmm. ways. And so I have a few exes that I'm actually friends with. I don't know. I've had to really create space mm-hmm. to move on mm-hmm. from a relationship. Right. And then after that, you can sort of do it. But I also think like the more intense and long a relationship is actually the less likely I am to be in a friendship with them later because mm. it just. For right. Because he- it moves on into like different yeah. levels. Like if you date someone for six months, maybe less than a year, then yeah. it's like, OK, that. But, that like, a three-year cool. relationship, like, I'm not – like, I'll get together and catch up, but it doesn't feel like – I wouldn't count them among my close. Right, right, right. Well, I agree with you. I do think that defriend, please, you definitely have to be honest. I mean, yeah. you're married. Not that being married means you have to be honest, but you're in a committed relationship, and you owe it to the person you're with because I'm certain that she's not a mind reader. Yeah. You know, and you are setting yourself up for resentment. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say man up, woman up. And mm-hmm. ask for what you need mm-hmm. and what you want. I wouldn't want to see that person. No. Ever. Can you imagine? I can totally picture no. the, like, dinner party where they're like, Hell <laughs> no. Remember the hot tub? <laughs> Dude, I don't even. That's, like, irritating <laughs> me. And that's not even my wife. <laughs> All right, on to number two. Dear queer, I hate the holiday season, like for real. All the drunken idiots, travel, traffic. This year, I want to just do something for me over Christmas, but how do I tell my family? Thanks, YOLO, solo. <laughs> oh, they're funny. That's cute. Um, and I have an answer, but I feel like, you know, in, in good faith, I need to preface this answer by <laughs> saying that I fucking love the holidays. Oh my God, you do? I do. And I come from like, I was raised by like a Buddhist feminist. Like there was no, 
Did you celebrate Christmas growing up? Totally. We celebrated Christmas, but it had, like, nothing to do with Jesus, who I was always taught was a very cool guy, but it was, like, not a religious holiday. It was, like, just festive, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And we would eat food, and, like, half my family's Italian and half my family's Puerto Rican, and so it was just, like, food and hugs and, like... (laughs) Food and hugs. It, like, invented, like, we would have our own sort of ceremonies that we would make up, and... But I was always just, like, I love Christmas decorations, like, on the far side of tacky. Like, I love... Wow. ...all of it. Easter basket hunts. So are you the type of person that, like, the day after Thanksgiving, you're like, Christmas tree? Yes. But... I also fully believe in autonomy from your family during the holidays. It can be so, so hard for Mm -hmm. some people. It's like a conference of all of the people who installed all your issues. You know what I mean? Like, who wants to go to that conference? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So they just want to like get boozy and push all your buttons. So, like, that sounds horrible, you know? Um, Oh, God. I think, like, once again, like, honesty and straightforwardness is probably the best policy, but just like be ready for however your family responds in general in the ways that bother you, they're going to respond right. to this, for right? Sure. So if it's all about, like, you the never holidays. come home enough right, and right. you don't, you know, pay enough attention to your mother and we did so mm-hmm. much for your, whatever it is, whatever their script yeah. is, like, they're going to run that script on you. So be ready. I find it really helpful in situations where I get triggered by people and reactive to have sort of, like a refrain that I'm prepared to go to Mm -hmm. um, that I can just repeat. Because if I'm like spontaneously improvising in a situation like that, then it's going to get ugly. I'm going to say something I'm going to regret or I'm going to capitulate when I don't want to. I've had to do this like write out a little script and pick a refrain for breakups, for family conversations, like for all kinds of things because I just want to accommodate people, right? So maybe it's just like I really need this time for myself right now. You know, or I really need this for myself. This is really important to You're me. Like, why? And then you can just answer every. Just be like, I, you know, it's just really important but to me. But why? I mean, I just really need this for myself right now. You know, and you can just do that over and over, over and until over they're again. exhausted. And they're like, well, fine. That's how people. I, I was taught that when I ran the museum and had to hire and fire people. Mm-hmm. That was what you were supposed to do when you were firing. People. Yeah, it's like just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Yeah, just don't get into a negotiation because then you'll end up down some hallway of conversation that's like not mm. working. So I think you have to be prepared for that. And also, like, depending on your family, you might have to do a little bit of bargaining. Like, have some kind of consolation prize. If the person you're going to tell, if the liaison for the family holiday (laughs) conference is your mom, be like, okay, why don't you and I plan a special outing after the new year where we'll go to, like, right, the city right. and go you to the show. Or s- you know what I mean? Like, you got to have, like, some kind of Band-Aid to put right, on right. it that's not compromising what you actually really need. So have you ever been in a relationship since you love the holidays or you're mm-hmm. with someone who hated the holidays? Or have you had to go to other people's houses? I have actually almost always ended up with other people who love the holidays. Oh. Maybe it's just, like, a foundational compatibility thing. Is it it's really? It's not like a deal breaker. It's- like, I've, I don't ask about it. It's not like on my dating profile. <laughs> I must love Christmas. Um, You're like 5'10", must love Christmas. Yep. I don't know why I picked 5'10". I that's mean, that's really about tall. right. That's about right. I mean, you know, like, I would say, like, minimum 5'7". Okay. Right? Like, yeah, I date yeah. women. Let's not be, right, like, right. unreasonable. But so, so I always end up with people who also like holidays. And I have spent the holidays with my partner's families a couple times 
But honestly, I regret it. You want to be home, right? I want to be home. I don't know. I like my family, and I feel really lucky for that. Like, they drive me crazy, you know? But but the holidays with my family is, like, a pretty guaranteed. Like, I know what that experience is. I get a lot out of it. Other people's families are crazy in in ways that I don't – that I'm not fluent in. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's exactly it, that you're not fluent in other people's families. Yeah. Crazy. Because you can tolerate your own family's yeah. crazy. I know how to hack my own family. I can be like, I'm going to job lot for stocking yes. stuffers, and that's it. Hell you know? yes, job lots <laughs> for all the New Englanders listening. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Go Pats. Yeah, all right. So YOLO solo. Man, <laughs> have a script. Let's just break yeah. it down. Have, have a, a script. script. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Mm-hmm. And be brave. You mm-hmm. deserve it. Be brave. Christmas and is not for everyone. Maybe have a bargaining chip in your back. Oh, yeah, and the bargaining chip for, you know, post-New Year, like, We'll have a spa day, mm-hmm. Mom. Because I don't really like, like, I don't hate the holidays, but I'm definitely not into the season. Like, yeah. I just want to get through, and I want it to be January 1st. Oh, my God. Because See, my birthday is January 31st. I just want winter to end so on then... January 1st because the only part I like happens. Are you like, serious? I'm totally serious. I love, like... Cheesy Christmas decorations when they string them over oh the avenue. I did not I know like this going, about you. I'm not sure like, if we can be friends. Christmas shopping in earmuffs. Like when the holiday music That's starts true. playing Those in Dwayne Reed. I know. White ones. That's me. Like I want to go Christmas shopping on a date. I want to ride in a fucking carriage. And you want to go ice skating? I listen. This is, I didn't realize that this was like so shocking to people until I told someone. But during the Christmas season, the holiday season, I listened to Christmas carols on the radio in my car. Mariah Carey Christmas album. I'm so excited when it's possible for me to listen to that. Your whole entire mood. I just want to say, listeners, like (laughs) her energy level just like went from zero, no, from like two to like 2000 talking about (laughs) Christmas. Oh my God, that's hilarious. All right, well, to each his own. On to the third question. Dear queer, I am not a fag hag. I hate that term, but my best friend is a gay man and I'm a woman. We live in the same city and see each other a lot. He has a large group of gay male friends as well, and I often feel jealous when he goes out and parties with them but doesn't include me. I understand that he wants time to be with the boys, but I still feel left out and it hurts my feelings. Ugh. This is so embarrassing, but true. Mm. I don't want to be that girl moping in the corner, but I totally am. Should I say something or just leave it alone? Nobody puts baby in the corner. Oh. Oh. First of all, bonus points. For the dirty dancing yes, reference, dirty this dancing is clearly reference. someone of <laughs> Plus, our generation. Yeah, really. Um, Thirty-five and up. I mean, this is kind of a hard one. I have a couple of thoughts about this. One is, have you talked to your friend about this feeling? Doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like it, does it? And you know, I'm just trying to think like about it in a way that transcends the fact that she's a woman and he's a gay man Mm -hmm. because this is a friend issue, you know? So I'm trying to, like, take it out of that context and think, like, if I had a friend who had another group of friends and I wasn't really a part of that group but I felt left out, how would I handle that, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think it sort of depends. It might be an expression of a certain um, possessiveness over the friend. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, my friends have other friend groups, but I'm not like, let me. But if it's a really close friend, then I also think you ought to be able to have a conversation about it. And then, 
you know, to put it sort of back into the context of like the woman and the gay man, it might just be sort of like, I don't sort of want this to be true, but I have sort of like <laughs> my group of like all of my lesbian friends, like all my female friends, which is like all my friends and right. there's no men included. And like right, I have right. gay male friends, but like if they were like, I want to hang out with all the lesbians, right. I feel and left out. I would be like, you know, like, get your sorry, life. sweetie. <laughs> like, No, you know, but then again, like I would totally be up, up for having that conversation. You know, so I think it's sort of like maybe take a little inventory and like what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you Mm -hmm. feel left out? Why do you feel like you need to be included? Do you have other friends? Is this your only friend? You know, maybe it's one of those friendships where there's a little bit too much of a burden being placed on that relationship to meet all of your needs socially. You know, I think we need a little bit more context. But I would sort of like really do like a deep look inside at what's going on with you. I agree. Um. I imagine, as a, her gay male friend, that, like, sometimes he just wants to go out with the boys. Yeah. And, like, that's a real feeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want to be the gay guy bringing the woman to the gay club. Yeah. The straight woman. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like sometimes that's uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I'm in an interracial relationship. You know, sometimes I need to be in, like, black space only. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to be the black person that brings the white person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just. Totally fair. You know, just sometimes I'm just like, I just want to go and have that not be a thing. I call it sister girl time. You know, I I think that she should bring it up because it sounds like she's very hurt about it. I know. It sounds like a thing that's not just going to sort of melt away. It's not going to go away. And you can't just sort of put it on the shelf. Right. Like it's going to affect the relationship. If you're resentful and feeling wounded, it's going to move out and there's going to be sort of like referred pain in the relationship because of that thing that your friend or your partner doesn't even know about, which is unfair to them, I think, to not be giving them all the information. Right. Not all the information. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. So nobody puts baby in the corner. We love your tag. And you need to evaluate yourself lovingly. Mm-hmm. Figure out what this is really about for you. And I would say give your friend a little bit of space mm-hmm. and also consider taking um, time to have a conversation with him and let him know how yeah. you feel and see how he responds. He may not be thinking the way I'm thinking. He might just be like, oh, girl, I didn't think you'd want to come. Yeah. Who knows? Why, Maybe. why did I say girl? Like he's, <laughs> he's <laughs> an effeminate gay man. But <laughs> Yeah. And maybe like you want to... Invest in some other friendships, too. Like, go out with your, you know, like, do you have a group of friends that you like to hang out with? Spread it out. I'm not dressing up. I was having such, what do you call FOMO when it's already passed? Like, the day after you're on Instagram and everyone looks like they were at a Halloween party except for you. F-homo? Fear of having missed out? Yes. I was like, how did I not? I mean, there were parties to go to. Like, Henrietta's had a party and whatever, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I I always want to be one of those. Like, I want to have, like, a cute couple costume or something super clever. They're just, like, never get it together. I'm just, like, not. Okay, if you could have had a couple's costume, what would it have been? Last year, I wanted to be, because we're an interracial couple, I wanted to be Frederick Douglass and his white wife. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so good. (laughs) Well, we talked about, have any of you seen the show Steven Universe? 
No. It's like a cartoon for adults. And we wanted to dress up like characters from, from, that. from that show. They're called the Gems. You guys and have like, like these powerful... a cartoon that you love together. Yeah, I would say it's Steven They're Universe. both professors, everyone. I just yeah. want to say, you guys are dorks. <laughs> we are total nerd professors. You're totally nerds. Wait, before yeah. we get to this, actually, I want to talk about interracial relationships. Because you've dated mm-hmm. a lot of different people. Yeah. The gamut. <laughs> I mean, not just people, but like, you kind of, you're like the rainbow collection, right? Yeah. Men, women. In between. The blacks, the whites. The others. Others. <laughs> however they want to identify. The whole spectrum. Yeah. So how are you finding being uh, with a black woman now? Sorry, I'm outing you. But That's okay. I'm outing um, her. I feel uh, amazing about it. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel amazing about her, and that's who she is, so I feel amazing about it. Okay. You, you guys know? don't have any conflicts? You know, I think it would be naive to say that there were no issues. Like, we're in America, so there are right, issues. Right. America has Especially issues. Especially this climate. I mean. And, like, yeah. So I think, like, you know, like, for instance, uh my girlfriend came back this summer and met my family for the first time. And we hung out where I grew up, which is on Cape Cod. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very white place, <laughs> right? So we went very. out to this restaurant to eat. That's like one of those sort of like fancier places in town. And the only people of color, the only black people in the restaurant were like the table bussers, mm. right? And like that sucks, you know, like that doesn't feel good to me. Or to her, mostly to her, mm-hmm. um, or actually to my family. And it's like, you know, there are issues like, I don't even think it's like a problem, but it's just like there are intricacies, right? Like, I think it's actually good for my family because it makes them be more conscious of the spaces that they inhabit. Mm-hmm. And if those spaces are all white, they have like totally gotten much more conscious of that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, we went to a, a my mom's wedding. My mom got remarried a couple of weeks ago. And Congratulations. She, thanks. Because I know she's going to listen. <laughs> and uh, and I was talking to my mom beforehand and she was like, listen, I feel concerned about this because I know that we have a lot of friends of color, but actually none of them are going to be at the ceremony. And like, Aww. your girlfriend might be the only person of color there and I really want her to be comfortable. And I was like, you know what, mom, like, I really appreciate that you care about that. And you know, thank you for thinking of that, but also, like, she has experience being in all whites. I <laughs> like, this won't be the yeah, first I mean, time. You know like what I mean? So, York. like, it's good that you're aware of that, but also, like, she gets to choose what spaces she wants to be in. Right. So, like, I'm sure she already knows. <laughs> you know, it's right, not going right, to come right. as a surprise. Um, so, like, you know, it's, you know, we live, we live here, so there are issues. Right. You know what I mean? Okay, we have a game. Are you yes. ready? I love games. Okay, hold on. Wait. Gay, marry, fuck, kill. Yes! Rihanna. Uh-huh. Hillary. Uh-huh. Sarah Huckabee. Why did you want to make it so easy is the thing. <laughs> um. All right, so it's gay, marry, fuck, or kill. I mean, Sarah Huckabee, like, really? Really? Is there any way that there's going to be upset in this round? <laughs> Um, well, for our Republican listeners, we're going to kill <laughs> the Republican. Bye, Sarah. Bye. Bye, girl. She's so furrowed. I saw a picture of her today, <laughs> and I actually like felt a surge of empathy for her because I was like, I don't want that job. That is the job from hell. It was like, I just saw her face, and it was like the headline, 
all 16 women who have accused Trump of sexual assault are making it up. And she's the person who has to deliver this message. And she's just like the furrow. Like she has these she sort of like uneven hold, hold eyebrows. Like and it just there. gets deeper. It's a crevasse. Like it's getting yeah. deeper yeah. and deeper. Yeah. And I feel like honestly. It's be gray by the time This might be over. a cure for her bad politics. Like at the end of this, you she think? might just be like. I'm with her. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would love like, to come after out doing that teacher. job and being privy to like that administration, she might just end up with mm. her, you know, but I'm not going to end up with her. So she's going. Um, and then, you know, like I would love to gay marry Rihanna, but I don't particularly want to fuck Hillary. So um, See, I also feel like as you think. it's what not kind of as easy marriage, as I think. What kind of marriage but, do you want? Because she's a daily drinker. She yeah, no, smokes I a know. lot of pot. I know. I know. And her Sorry, her career, Ruby. she would never be around. She'd just be like touring Girl, all the time. I could quit my job. I mean, I would quit my job with both of them probably. You know, and Hillary on the other hand, like she would take care of everything. Don't you think? Or she, she would, would be hire like, someone too. Or she would hire someone too. Like I would never have to file my own taxes again. You know what I mean? Like it would just be taken <laughs> Or set care up your own of. internet server. I would, yeah. So I think like, you know, when you're given the option to gay marry Hillary, you take that. Mm. You know, especially when you're an artist. And so yeah, I would definitely, night. definitely fuck Rihanna, you know, in the fantasy space of this game. I mean. <laughs> gay marry Hillary? Hillary? Even mm-hmm. though she's so much older than you. In sickness and in health. <laughs> and I mean, maybe that would be okay. Like, I totally respect her. She's got 20 good years left, maybe. Yeah, and then, like, I'll only be... Oh, my be, God, you'll be rich when she dies. I'll be middle-aged still. Right, you could start over. You could have a I hot could just young start thing. over. Yeah, I could be like, Rihanna, remember that night? All right, everybody, you've been listening to Dear Queer with our fabulous guest, Melissa Febos. Before we close out, let us know where people can get your book, where they can mm-hmm. see you read, and whatever other things you want to plug. Sure. The book, Abandon Me, is available at your local bookstore or on Amazon, although I prefer if you got it at your online independent bookseller like Powell's.com. And then they can follow you. On all of your stuff? Yeah, it's just Melissa Phoebos. I'm the only one on the planet. <laughs> Amazing. You luck. Are you really? I, I really am. Mm-hmm. There's a Robin Cloud, and she is a watercolorist. Fuck her. I know. And I was like, <laughs> when I started out performing. Let's ruin her. <laughs> she, I could not buy the domain. But now she's on, like, page six. Oh, wait. Okay. You can edit this out if you want. I have this friend who's a writer. He's, like, a pretty famous, like, best-selling mm-hmm. author of many, many books. And he went to get the domain of hisname.com, and it was taken. And he went and contacted the person. And it turns out it was, like, this 15-year-old kid, like, in the Midwest. And he was like, hey, man, I'm a famous writer. Do you think maybe I could buy the domain off of you? And the kid never responded to him but started writing in his blog about how some supposedly famous writer was trying <laughs> to buy the domain main name off of him and never sold it to him yeah oh what a little jerk i know all right thank you for listening and uh check us out in the next episode bye bye thank you for tuning in if you like what you hear and i know you did please cruise over to itunes and rate the show and if you're feeling extra generous go ahead and leave us a review letting us know what you liked and what you'd like to hear dear queer is produced by me 
Robin Cloud with Sasha Mathias and Emily Bogosian. Our artwork was designed by Trevor Messersmith, and our theme song is by DJ Tika Masala. If you want to get in touch, you can leave us a comment. Tweet us at Brick Radio using the hashtag DearQueer or leave a message at 347-504-0801. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org forward slash radio. I once saw a, a man dressed up as a baby costume in a diaper and a bonnet, like literally having a fist fight with the fireman. Gross. And I was like, what is happening right now? You're just like, I'm like. <laughs> you're half naked and you're fighting people on the street. I'm just like, men, you're bad enough when it's not in costume. Like, I don't need to see that, you oh know? Oh, my God. <laughs>